0: Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Here's a bit of a new take on the smash hit Julia Roberts film, Eat, Love, Pray. It's the story of Diane Patterson, who left the family fruit farm for Harvard and embarked on an amazing career, eventually presiding over a $600 million business. It's also about the huge juggle of a promising career, and unshakable faith, a healthy dating life and then a fulfilling marriage, which all sounds great, but accomplishing them all is an entirely different story. In her story, there are dreams and goals, heartache and struggle, and Diane shares her experience and advice for young women in her book, Work, Love, Pray. She's also the founder of Four Word, a ministry for professional Christian women. Diane, welcome to Open House.
1: Thank you, Lee. Glad to be on with you.
0: Thank you very much indeed. You are, I suppose, living proof that women can fulfill their dreams of a great job, marriage, and solid faith. As I said, it sounds easy.
1: Yeah, it is. It sounds easy, but it's definitely hard. You have to be very intentional about it. And boy, without your faith, I don't know how anyone could do it.
0: You're obviously a very highly motivated woman. Did you always have your sights set high?
1: I never thought I'd have the opportunity to be the COO of two Fortune 500 companies but I was very fortunate that my mom always put in my mind that you can do whatever you want and so I always was looking for that next challenge to accomplish But I never would have told you I would have been CEO of two Fortune 500 companies.
0: A lot of women have been told that in this previous generation, you can do everything you want. Do you think that is true?
1: I think we have opportunities, and the statistics are so strong, around... Um, You know, 70% of women that have children under 18 are now working outside of the home, and that's actually a U.S. statistic, but I would assume it's pretty similar in Australia. Um, And that over 50% of advanced degrees are going to women now. And 40% of families are supported by the income of the wife um, more so than the man by at least 10%. So, I mean, I think that we are definitely moving in the, that direction, but it takes trade offs and it takes hard work. So, I think it can be done, but there's going to be some times where it's not, doesn't seem like it's right in front of you.
0: Yes. I'd love you to take us through your own story. You go to the Harvard Business College where you say studying was more than education, it was an experience. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, first of all, when I got there, I thought that they had made a mistake and somehow my application got through the cracks. (laughs) (laughs) So when I first arrived, I I didn't know whether I was really supposed to be in the chair. Um, But then I realized that I could do it. And uh, there were a lot of smart people around me. And it was a great learning experience, not only from the fact of learning from all of them, but also having a challenge that I had never had before academically.
0: You take Christian faith into that college environment where people often live and party hard, how did you keep grounded in your faith?
1: Well, I was so blessed um, and I actually emailed one of my um, Harvard Business School Christian Fellowship uh, members today. He was actually president and I think I was his, um, I can't remember my title, but I helped him with the leadership and today it's Kevin Jenkins who is the CEO internationally for World Vision. Um, So I was very blessed to have about a group of 20 to 30 very committed believers that were at the business school, that became my really close friends, that we were able to encourage each other and remind each other that what we were going through was really not the most important thing in life, even though you were made to feel like it.
0: I'm sure you were. You eventually get married, but have a rather unconventional marriage, at least for the first year. It was long distance.
1: Well, I had been accepted to Harvard, and um, my husband-to-be had a business in um, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so we kind of made a deal. I said, you know, I really don't want to not take advantage of this opportunity. And he said, well, as long as you agree that when you finish, you'll come back to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And that's how we did it, and it was long distance.
0: Was that a sensible thing to do as you look back on it?
1: As I look back in the book, I talk about it, and I even share it as I speak with women because a lot of women who are in a career and are dating someone in a career have to deal with that issue. And I really recommend to them, don't make the mistake I made, um, in that it is really important to live in the same town before you get married so you really know what that person is like day in and day out. Yes.
0: So eventually you hook back up and live in the same city. You fall pregnant with your first child and you're fortunate enough to be supported by your work. Even with that support, how do you say you're able to meet all those often competing pressures of family, faith, your career?
1: Well, I think first you've got to have a real focus on keeping your faith at your core. And I didn't do this perfectly, and I think I talk about that in the book also, where um, there were times when I wasn't waking up to a Bible study. I was always involved with the church or with a Sunday school class or teaching the class, but I wasn't doing a lot of my own personal Bible study or having a close group of women that were like-minded as me, um, as authentic relationships. And that was one thing that I learned as I grew in my career that I really needed those two things. And so I, um, rectified that over the past sort of six to seven years of my life, but trying to stay focused on my faith. And then, you know, the family is so important to have a partner that's willing to, um, work with you around when you have pressures or when they have pressures, you work around their pressures. And so I think choosing the right spouse is really critical to be able to, you know, do this well. Um, and then I talk a lot about setting, setting boundaries and about saying no, because I think a lot of us have a hard time saying no, um, and even in this stage of my life where I'm not working the 24-7 as the COO of a global company, I still say no a lot, and it allows me to stay focused on the things that are most important.
0: It's one of the most valuable words to learn and to learn how to use. Sadly, in 1997 things go downhill and your marriage ends And that's what you've regarded as the most important part of your life, failed How did that leave you?
1: You know, it's interesting when I talk with um, different people and actually a pastor from a church in Atlanta, Georgia, Colleen Rouse, was interviewing me and said, you know, what is the worst time of your life and what's the best time? And I said, you know, I have to tell you going through a divorce was both because it was something I never thought I would deal with. On the other hand, it was the time I was broken and I realized the only way I could get through What I was going through was my relationship with Christ, and that was a wonderful wake-up call for me, and it really set me on the path of being very intentional about my faith from that point forward.
0: When you look back, as you have in your book, you've offered some important principles about getting married. Can I ask you to take us through your advice to young women who are looking at getting married, which I'm sure also applies to young men?
1: Sure. Sure. I think, first of all, the most important is finding someone who is grounded in their faith just like you are, because, you know, the amazing thing is, is there's always bumps in the road, and as we're told um, that in the Bible, that marriage is tough, and it's actually easier to be single. So if you have someone that is grounded around their faith and are committed to making a relationship work, that just outweighs anything um, around a relationship that you might deal, deal with, because you're committed to get through those things. And I believe Tim Keller just wrote a book about marriage that talks about that quite a lot. Yes.
0: Um,
1: and then I think, secondly, again, it's it's the priority of your family. Um, You may be a couple that decides you don't want to have children, but you may be one that does. And it is really critical as you decide to have a family to make sure that that um, decision is amongst both of you because it's going to take both of you if you're both going to have careers. Um, And then I think the third one is really finding out – what are they passionate about? What do they like to do? Um, Are they willing to support me in my career? Am I willing to support them in their career? And just finding about those things about each other are really important. Um, I will tell you a person that I refer to a lot is Joy Egerich, and she has a wonderful blog. For any of you that are in the dating stage um, called Love and Respect Now. And it is fantastic. A lot of the women that are a part of Forward follow her blog. She, She talks a lot about healthy relationships.
0: Yes. On Open House, we're with Diane Patterson, the author of Work, Love, Pray. So, Diane, that is about getting married. And interestingly, you say things like don't hurry, pay attention, do your due diligence and be honest, but you also have advice about staying married. What's your advice there?
1: Right. As I said, marriage is not easy. It's wonderful, but it's not easy. And I'm fortunate enough to be married to a wonderful man, Chris Patterson. And um, we have a great relationship and we talk about how this time of our life is, is the best we ever have. But, you know, they take your relationship takes a lot of attention, and number one, communication is critical. Um, I think sometimes us women have a tendency to focus on the things that maybe aren't as perfect as we'd like them to be, and I think the more we can let loose of those and really respect the person we're married to and um, let them be who they are uh, and don't worry about the little stuff, I think it's really critical, and then I think just continuing to make sure you have fun together. Make sure you take have a date. Um, make sure if you get in a fight that you get, that you take care of it right real soon. Don't let it last. Um, let every let each person be their own person. Don't um, don't try to make them be who you want them to be because. Typically, all of us aren't going to change much. We're who we are, and allowing us to have who we are versus trying to have someone be who we want them to be is a lot healthier way to go about a relationship.
0: You also advise people to allow space.
1: Yeah, and that's a part of just letting the person be who they want to be and letting them have their own things that you may not be involved with.
0: One of the big issues of the modern man and woman is often who wears the pants in the relationship, especially as you say, so many women are out there in the workforce and so many families economically depend on them at least. How do you avoid the potential difficulties that exist there?
1: Well, and that's a great question. And again, I think it goes back to that issue of respect. We need to always respect our spouse and it's not about the paycheck it's about who they are and about what they like to do that we respect it's not about the number on the paycheck and I think that's one thing we've got to all um come to grips with because unfortunately the world really really focuses on the number on the paycheck
0: so what's your answer to that
1: It is really to try to make sure that your relationship is grounded with your faith and with your family as a priority and then respect for each individual and what they are passionate about doing career-wise, not around what the paycheck is.
0: What if there is no faith in the family or what if there is faith on one side of a marriage or partnership?
1: Boy, that's a tough one, Yeah, you because know, even we are instructed to be with someone who's evenly yoked. It will take a lot of work, and hopefully, through time, you will have the opportunity to bring them to faith. And I know a lot of couples where that has happened, but I do think because you have a different perspective on life, it definitely is a lot harder.
0: Can I ask you about the issue of work? it is such a dominant factor in so many of our lives. You say that each person must find a compatible work environment. What do you mean by that? And can we all afford to be that choosy?
1: Great question. You know, I think especially today, unfortunately, we're in a better economy than we were two years ago. And so I'm not um, saying that you should only be picky about what's perfect because the number one thing is we've got to take care of our families, and if that requires us to do something that isn't perfectly matched with our strengths, um, that's okay, and that's a great servant to our families. However, if you do have that opportunity to really look for that environment that um, really matches with your priorities, I'll I'll just share an example um, from my life and I at Trammell Crow had a wonderful boss. His name is Mike Lafitte. And as my job grew and grew, um, there were more pressures to be traveling. And I shared with Mike, you know, Mike, you just have to let me know, but I will not travel more than one night a week. You know, my family's my priority. And um, if I travel more than one night a week, I just can't do this job. And so we agreed, and I actually kept track of it. Um, But if that kind of openness and honesty has someone say, well, I just don't think it will work for you to be here, I think that answers that question. So there's a lot of questions you can ask that will allow you to find out whether the work environment is compatible with your priorities.
0: Yes. How were you able to maintain that juggle or perhaps that tension between Christian faith and being a CEO of a significant company, how did you remain true to both?
1: Uh, My workplace was a place that I was supposed to be an example. And I love the quote by um, St. Francis of Assisi, which says, in all things you do, act like Jesus and if you have to speak.
0: Yes, it's often quoted on Open House, actually.
1: And I think, unfortunately, I probably botched it up a little bit, but it's sort of, that's the gist of it. But I think in the work environment, you're given so many opportunities to just be as much as you can like Christ, that you don't have to say a word and people will know you're different if you really strive to do that. You know, I was very fortunate in that I worked in a work environment at Trammell Crow and C.B. Richard Ellis that, you know, we were obviously very respectful of what the company um, expected us to do. On the other hand, um, we had an online Bible study every Monday and every Friday. And when we were in conventions where we would be together, we would get together in a breakfast area that we would the believers together. And it was just such a great opportunity to encourage each other and to have a connection that was beyond what we were doing every day.
0: Diane, in the title of your book, Work, Love, Pray, would you say we can't just have one of these things and still be content?
1: No, if you just had the pray, which is the faith, many people have been content by having that relationship only with God and I see the monks and a lot of other people that have that only one I can't imagine any of the others by themselves Um, having relationships with people on earth we all have our faults we all have our sins we can't replace that relationship with Christ and so the is. Possible on its own, but I don't believe the love is possible, and I surely don't believe the work is possible. I can't imagine someone that all they do is work and don't have a relationship with their family or with their friends and don't have a faith if their life doesn't have that fullness that we have the opportunity to have in, or, in having all of those.
0: Beyond your book, I mentioned your ministry online, Forward. Can you explain to us what that is and what's your ambition for it?
1: We have an online website. It's www.forwardwomen.org. And the mission of Forward is to lead, connect, and support professional women. To reach their God-given potential. And so in doing that, we know this world and this age is very virtual, and we blog three times a week. We also have a private Facebook page where people that come to our website can have peer-to-peer discussions in a private space. And we also have people in cities that have formed their own private Facebook groups that are tied to Forward so that they can meet other people virtually, that they can bounce ideas off of, get to know, et cetera. So not only is there content that we put on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of every week, there's also over 100 resources with links to people like Joy Egerich That I mentioned earlier, that might be a better resource and expert than we would be at Forward. So it's it's really meant, and we have forty five hundred people come to our site a week from all over the world. Forty percent are outside the United States, so it's really uh great to see that there's a need out there for the kind of content and resources that we have.
0: You're dead right about that. We'll post the details of 4Word on our Open House Community Facebook page. Diane Patterson, author of Work, Love, Pray. Thank you so much indeed for joining us on Open House.
1: Thank you, Lee.